Well, good morning again, everyone. My name is Pastor Mile. It's so good to see you this morning. Uh, we're uh, going to be, again, uh, in the book of Matthew in this series called The New Normal. So thank you for being here with us. If you've been traveling along on the journey with us, this is 10 weeks now that we've been in this sermon series. Uh, and so thanks for going uh, on the journey with us. So the premise of this is, if, if you're a first-timer here with us this morning, if you're listening online for the first time, uh, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 5, uh, there's this kind of many statements on the Sermon of the Mount where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I tell you. And so he's uh, clarifying and cleaning up. These. He's creating this new normal by which to live by. And so in chapters 3 and 4, it is chock-a-block full of different opportunities, different examples that are given all through the Old Testament scriptures. And so we have spent our time going back and forth between Matthew chapter 3 and uh, 4 and then uh, going through all these Old Testament passages that have been cross-referenced there, all to kind of get to the big idea of what Matthew is is teaching on. So Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples. He spends uh, three years walking around with him in ministry, and then uh, he, at the end of his life, makes sure that he is able to document, write down. He didn't want it just to be an oral tradition. He wanted to make sure that things were well, meticulously written down. He's a good uh, tax collector, isn't he? He wants to make sure that it's all written down well, make sure that there's uh, nothing left to chance to make sure that he's communicating who this Jesus is. And so today we're going to talk uh, specifically from Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, would you make your way there? If you're watching from home, uh, you can look online or find your Bible there at home. I'll be in the New International Version uh, this morning. If you're here in the room with me, I'm going to read the whole passage here. I'm going to ask you to stand uh, and put on your mask for just a second. I'm going to read the whole passage so that we know where we're going, and then uh, we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty for us there. So Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. Would you stand and we'll read that together. Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. So Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for uh, this gospel of Matthew. Lord, Matthew has taken so much time to write these things down and give us all these different connections. Lord, I pray that it would come alive to us today. Each week when we open your word, we pray, Lord, that it would be sharp as a two-edged sword, that it would pierce hearts, that it would challenge us. When we open our Bibles at home, Lord, we pray that it would do the same thing. It is alive and it's active. And so work in us today, Lord. Challenge us today from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 4, 18. You'll see here the sermon title is Trading Perpetuity for purpose. Now, I'll allow for the fact, I'm, I'm trying to make an alliteration here, but what's the idea of perpetuity? It's something that you do again and again, time after time, uh, doing it the same way often every single day, every single time. And you see here, uh, these fishermen are going out and doing, oftentimes, the many them doing the same thing day after day, time after time. So I want to start this morning and share with you a, a fishing story, just for, for that sake. Uh, you should expect that. If, if uh, you saw this passage coming, you said, okay, Miles is going to share a fishing story. Well, that, that's probably to be expected. So uh, 
when I was in college, I, I've shared this with you before, I worked on a shrimp boat. I did a lot of uh, carpentry work there on the shrimp boat and also uh, built docks and that type of thing. I didn't actually spend that much time shrimping. Uh, but one of the very last days that I was on the job, I got to go out uh, over uh, throughout the day and go actually fishing for shrimp, throwing out, casting the nets, and shrimping on a commercial vessel. It was a, a, a really neat experience that I only got to do once, and then after that, uh, moved on to a different place and did some different things after that. So we went out. You leave in the early in the morning. It has to do with the tides, but you leave early in the morning because that was what the tides allowed for. We left about 3.30 in the morning. It took us about three or four hours to get out to where we were going to cast the net. And then we put out the nets. You drag for three or four hours, and then you start to pull them in. What I didn't realize until actually working a day on a shrimp boat was that when you pull in the nets, you should expect this, that you're not just pulling in shrimp. Uh, you're pulling in all types of creatures, all types of things that are pulled up off of the, 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 the floor of the ocean. And so you're pulling all of that in, and your job there on the deck is to scramble all the things out, keep the shrimp, throw them into, uh, into the hole, and then the rest of the stuff you're throwing off the side. And so you're throwing it all off the side, and what ends up happening is all these different creatures from the ocean start to follow the shrimp boat because it's a feeding frenzy. There's food there to be had. Uh, specifically, the uh, dolphins love to come out. And so you see the dolphins, and they're smart enough to stay out of the nets, and they swim around, and they just, they, they're grabbing all the different stuff coming off. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Uh, but when we were there that day, uh, there were also these other fins that were swimming around in the ocean behind us. They were sharks that were beginning to swirl. He said, it doesn't happen every day. And the captain, uh, Leighton, he said, Oh, this is great. We got to get out there. We got we to gotta get a bait in the water because a shark right now is really high at the market. Now, I don't know who buys shark at the market. I have no idea who the, the right clientele is for this, but he said the price uh, for shark right now is high. We're going to catch us a shark. And so uh, what he did, he said, we're going to bait a hook, we're going to throw it over, and we're going to pull one of these guys in. So I want to show you this morning what I maybe perceived what he was saying uh, versus what the reality is. Now, uh, I have it here on a little stick so that I can keep track of it. Uh, in western New York, if you went fishing, here's a, a hook of the size, about the size of your fingernail. I, like I said, I stuck it on the stick so I didn't want to like, find it in my shoe or in my shirt after the service uh, that I had lost track of it. But that's a hook that we would go fishing in our streams and things, and that's what I was familiar with from being from this area. If we're going to catch ourselves a fish, you're throwing in a hook of about this size. But what he was talking about was this hook. And this hook is actually missing the hook because, as you'll hear in the story, it broke off here in just a second. So this uh, hook is, is longer. Instead of it being the size of my fingernail, it's the size of my arm. Or when you go home today and you're uh, pulling out your cutting board and putting it on the uh, kitchen counter, like something that size, that's how big the hook was that then he took a mackerel, which was just in the pile of fish that we had pulled in, stabbed the mackerel, and he said, we're going to go fishing for shark. And he stopped the boat, and he threw this off of the side, and he grabbed the end of the rope, and he told me to hold the end of it. He said, you're my anchor. Hold on to it. Let's see what happens. And he said, we're fishing for shark. And he said, let's see what happens. That's what he said. He's holding And so what ends up happening, he throws it over, and all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, the line snaps tight, and he pulls over the side. So this is how he pulls up and over the side a shark. Pulls it up over the side. It's snapping and clamping at us. A five or six foot shark. It lands on the deck of the boat and is slapping around trying to bite at our ankles and that type of thing. He gets the hook out of its mouth and he says, I got to go do something. I got to get the boat moving before the tide pushes us too close to shore. Uh, I think there's a bigger one out there and you're going to catch it. 
and he throws, he puts a fish on, he throws it over the side, and it gives me the rope and walks away. He says, now you're going to catch a shark, and it's bigger than the six-foot shark that's snapping at your feet right now. And then he walked away. And sure enough, threw it over the side. And I'm holding on to the rope, and all of a sudden that rope snapped tight. And I got pulled, dragged right to the edge of that thing, on the edge of that boat. I had no idea what I was in for. And so we started pulling and started tugging. And somebody came and hooked on the end of that rope, but I was the first one on it. And we started to pull him up the side. And as we pulled him up the side, sure enough, he was bigger than the other one. Sure enough, as we started to pull him, we got him right to the edge of the boat. As we're trying to pull him off, this hook here snapped off. And the thing fell in the water and swam away. And he was free for the day, for that day. And I have this souvenir of the one that got away. And if I want to show you it after, this is made out of lead. Again, it was about this long. And you can see the teeth marks in the side of this hook of the one that got away. Now this morning, uh, in telling a fishing story this morning, it really isn't that important that you remember my story about the one that got away. When we come back to this passage here, you need to, to know and understand that I'm not talking about the one that got away this morning. I'm talking about the one who changed the world. Not the one that got away, but the one who changed the world. See, if you're here this morning, or if you're watching online this morning, and you would say, I'm not really a religious person. I just kind of came into the room this morning and just trying to fill you guys out. Or I'm watching online because uh, I'm going through some difficult things at home right now. or going through some difficult things because we're all going through difficult things. And I'm just trying to figure out what this church thing is about. I'm just not religious, but I'm here. I say welcome. We're glad that you're here uh, this morning. But I also say, I don't really feel like I'm a religious person either, to be honest. I feel like I would rather call myself a follower of Christ. And that's what this text is going to teach us about. So, so this morning, if you're here and that's who you are and you're just kind of listening in, it's okay for you to kind of sit to the side this morning just listen in because what I want to talk to and talk about this morning is those of you who call yourselves followers of Christ. The one who changed the world is the one that you claim to follow. Not just as a fan, like, yay, we're glad that Jesus came. But no, you're saying that you are a follower of Christ. And there are some things that we need to look at here and take seriously this morning. And so my desire for us this morning is on the other side of this message that you would walk away this morning hoping that you would believe this, that you would love God more, that you would love people more, and that you would love more people. That's what I'm hoping to be able to accomplish here today, that you would love God more after this message, that you would love people more after this message, and you would walk away wanting to love more people. So let's open up here again, Matthew chapter 4. The verse that preceded where we began this morning is Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, which says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now that verse should sound familiar to you, because those words should sound familiar to you. Because at the beginning of the sermon series, the beginning of chapter 3, we hear John the Baptist, when he is talking about the coming Messiah, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he points to Jesus as, Behold, the one who has come to save the sins of the world. Verse 17 starts with this phrase, From that time on. Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says that, and there's three different times. We see, we, we believe that Matthew is very meticulous about how he goes about writing this gospel. 
And so Matthew 4, 17, he says, from that time on. Guess where else he says it? In Matthew 16, 21, he says, from that time on. After Peter's confession, when Jesus says, who do you think that I am? Who do they say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. The following verse says, from that time on, as they move forward towards the cross. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 16, just after the woman with the alabaster jar breaks the glass, And she pours the ointment all over his feet and takes her hair and wipes his feet. Guess what the following verse is after that? It begins with the phrase, from that time on. So we're going to deal with two of those three this morning. Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for what? For they were fishermen. Now, the Gospel of Luke, when it talks about this, uh, in this uh, situation, when it talks about this story, he begins and gives a, a bigger, a broader story. He says, they had been fishing all night long. You remember? They'd been fishing all night long, and they hadn't caught a thing. They'd been out there throughout the night fishing and working all night long, and in the morning when the sun came up, they had nothing to show for it. And what does Jesus do? He calls out to them. He says, hey, did you ever think about tossing the net over the other side of the boat? And they thought, Wow. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe we should do that. And so they threw the net over the other side of the boat. And what happened? There were so many fish that it filled their nets to capacity. And as they began to fill them in, the boat began to sink. And they had to call their friends over. And they began to fill their boats up as well. The boats were all overladen with the number of fish that had been caught. And when they get to the shore, they hear Jesus say these words. Come, follow me. You see, these were regular, ordinary people doing regular, ordinary things. And Christ transforms what they are doing, changes them. And because of this interaction they have with Christ, they would be forever changed. And we believe that you'll see here there's a blueprint for how we ought to live our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers of Christ. There's a blueprint here for how the church ought to act and how to behave and how we ought to raise up disciples and followers of Christ. And it comes right from this verse Chapter nine, or excuse me, chapter four, verse nineteen, beginning with these words: "Come, follow me." We use the phrasing uh, "upward, inward, outward." We want every person here to find their way upward in Christ, inward at the church, and outward in the community. Come, follow me, upward, and I will make you inward, fishers of men, outward. Verse nineteen says, "Come, follow me." Circle it, mark it, highlight it. The word "me." Jesus is saying, "Come, follow." me. He doesn't say, follow my teachings. He doesn't say, I've got a lot of good things to say. That's what every other religion on this planet has to do. It says, we've got a great text for you to look at. We want you to to learn about what our ancient writers wrote, and then you'll have some good moral teachings by which to live your life by. No, Jesus said, don't follow my teachings. Don't follow what I've talked about. Follow me. And Matthew has built a case for this so far. You see, Matthew began with a genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. In the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, he says, this is the son of David. There's, there's all these pictures of when he says, Jesus says, come follow me. Of Who is this Jesus then? He says, this is the son of David. He says, this is the son of Abraham. He says, this is the very son of God. When he says, come follow me. The invitation to come follow me is to come and follow. Uh, Matthew is teaching that this is a new Moses. This is a new Elijah. We talked about last week, this is a new Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. 
He is the Savior that they had been waiting for. He is the Messiah. There's the picture of the Messiah here. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name, friends. It is the statement and restatement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. He is the new king. He is the new kingdom that has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. He is the hope for all eternity. All of these pictures are being painted by Matthew. And so when Jesus comes to the scene, he says, come, follow me. That's what's really being said. Come, follow me. Secondly, I will make you. Come, follow me, and I will make you. Or I will form you. I will mold you. I will shape you into who you need to be. You're not there yet. Other, other places in Scripture, we get the idea of the potter and the clay. I will mold you. I will shape you. This week, I listened to a message by David Platt, who was talking on the same passage, just talking about this. This is the illustration that he gave, and I'll share it with you this morning. And, and, and uh, so I, I normally come out to the message uh, through that door. I kind of walk out to the stage uh, while the, the bumper is going, and I, and I open up and I share with you. Imagine this morning that the bumper roll, the music stops, the lights come up, and nobody comes through that door. And you wait a couple of minutes, and still nobody comes through. Nobody comes up to tell anyone what's going on, and you wait three, four, five, ten minutes. And then I burst through the door, run to the stage. I'm out of breath. And I say, I'm so sorry that I'm late. I was on my way here this morning, and, and I, I had a flat tire, and I pulled over on the side of the road, and I knew I needed to be here. I had a certain time I had to be here, and I was running behind, and so I, I realized that I was going to have to change this tire myself. I couldn't wait for AAA to get here. I was going to change the tire myself. I pulled the tire out. I started to put it on. I started to tighten it back up, and then as I was going back to take my spare tire, the other tire rolled out into the road, and I realized that it was in traffic, and so I turned around and ran out to grab it, and as I stepped out into traffic, there was a semi-truck coming at me and the semi-truck hit me square on and it hurt and then I put my tire back on I got here and I'm sorry that I'm late now something is the matter with that story would you agree I'm crazy there is no way that I was putting on a tire and stepped out in the traffic and met a semi-truck head-on and just hurt myself or slowed myself down from getting here on time. Why? Because we all know enough to know that if you have a face-to-face interaction with a semi-truck, you're going to leave changed. Right? You're going to leave changed. And when Jesus says here, he says, I'm going to mold you, I'm going to shape you. We need to be reminded of who God is. When he says, follow me, he says, I am the creator of the universe. And I'm going to mold you. I'm going to shape you into who I want you to be. We're going to be forever changed. We're not going to be the same as we were before, are we? Because that's how big and powerful and beautiful our God is. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the responsibility of a fisherman is to go out, if you're a commercial fisherman, certainly to go out day after day, night after night, and you are searching for, you are looking for fish. If you're good at your job, you know where the hot spots are. You know where you're going to catch the most fish. You're going to know their patterns. You're going to know, okay, there's a lot of fish there yesterday, but when I went there yesterday, I cleaned them out, and I need to go somewhere else. 
and the fish are moving around, and I'm moving around as well because I'm looking for fish. I want to find fish. I want to gather fish into my net. I want to find food. I want to find sustenance. But Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to look for those who are far from me. Those who are hidden away in the nooks and the crannies. I'm going I'm to teach you how to go and look for them and gather them and bring them to me. The disciple Andrew was just so strong at this. He just kept, every time we read Andrew's name, he's just going out and just keeps bringing people back to Jesus. That's his job. I, I don't know, I'll just bring him to Jesus. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to be looking for those who are far from me. I need you to be looking for those who need a Savior. The word here in Greek has to do with the idea of going and looking for fish is actually going and looking for Gentiles. Those who are even farther away from the inner circles, the Jews who had had this really close relationship with the Holy God over time, they had fallen away, but it was the Gentiles who were in distant places. And it was the Gentiles who said, I'll go and bring them in too. Bring those in who need a Savior. Bring those in who need rescuing. Come follow me, and I will make you, mold you, shape you into fishers of men. Why? Because every follower is a fisherman. Every follower is a fisherman. There are many uh, disciples who followed after Christ, but each one of them was going to be taught how to be a fisher of men. Verse 20 says, at once they left their nets and they what? Circle it, underline it. They followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other boats, the two other boats that the other fish were in, that they were also collapsing. James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, mending their nets, fixing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Every follower of Christ, every follower of Jesus was going to be and is a fisher of men. Now the two that are named here, James and John, we've already been announced that Peter was there. These are the inner circle. These are the closest disciples to Jesus. We find them again and again in all the Gospels. He keeps calling this inner circle of James and John and Peter. James and John are called the sons of thunder. That's, Jesus gives them that nickname because all the time it seems like when they, when they speak up in a room. So Peter's always speaking up and being loud. James and John, they're speaking up and asking, can we call down fire from heaven? <laughs> they want to just wipe everybody out all the time. That's what James and John are. They have left their boat. They left it there that they've been mending and working on. They left their father holding the reins there at the boat. They left fishing fish, and now they would be doing what? They would be fishing for men. Because that's what it meant, and that's what it means to follow after Christ. Because every follower would be and is a fisher of men. Every follower a fisherman. Every disciple a discipleman. Every follower of fisherman, every disciple is a discipleman. Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 9. If you want to turn over a few pages, this is Matthew's own story of how he was called to become a disciple. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. So he's telling his own story. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. What does he say? Circle it, highlight it. He says, follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, there was many tax collectors and sinners. They came and they ate with him and with his disciples. And so when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why? Why does your teacher eat with all these tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
Go, go and learn what this means. He's telling the religious elite, those who have studied text for years after years after years, he said, why don't you go and learn something? I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, every follower is to be a fisher of men, fishermen. Every disciple is to be a disciple of men and of women, disciplemen. See, Matthew is recording his own experience here, and what is uniform about it is that he's still pointing out these words, come, follow me. This is Jesus who I am following. He is the Messiah, and he is calling me to follow him. And who is Jesus reaching out to? Matthew is pointing out his own status in life when he was called to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't reaching out to the religious Jesus isn't reaching out to the spiritually enlightened. Jesus isn't reaching out to those who have all of their stuff together. Jesus is reaching out to those on the fringes, on the margins. And Matthew is pointing out his own status in life and saying, I am a tax collector. I am one who had turned my back on my own people. I was taxing my own people. I was a mess. I was making a a total mess of my life. And that's who Jesus reached out to. When I brought him into my house, all of my friends were doing the same thing. And that's who Jesus was reaching out to. And those are the people that he is calling to and saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus gives the analogy here. The analogy that says, uh, it is not the sick who need, excuse me, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but it is the sick. Matthew's pointing at his own life and saying, I was sick, I am sick, I need the physician. And if the followers are going to be fishermen, if the disciples are going to be disciplemen, he says, these are the people you are looking for as well, disciples. Go out, look for those who are far away. Look for those who need a physician. Because I have come to heal. I have come to give hope. Every follower, a fisherman, every disciple, a discipleman, everything, every time, for all of time. Every follower of fisherman, every disciple of disciplemen, everything, every time, for all of time. Matthew chapter 16. From that time on. Remember I told you that was going to be there? The apostle Peter has just said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. You are the one that we've been waiting for. The one who will change the world. Jesus turns and began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he would be killed on the third day and raised to life. Peter pulls him aside and begins to rebuke him. He says, never, Lord. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to the rest of the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Every follower of fishermen, every disciple of disciplemen, everything, every time, for all of time. See, it was... It was all right following Jesus when the crowds were coming. It was all right when Jesus had a Chick-fil-A service and started breaking the bread and passing the meat and sending it out in all directions. Right, Everyone was excited about coming to that. 
But when he turns his face, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will suffer and I will die. And on the third day, I will be raised to life. Peter's the first one to say, wait a minute, hold on a second. I'm with you up until a certain point, but you've got to stop talking like that because that's not, you know, that's, that's kind of messing up my jam here. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. See, every disciple here was going to be called to suffer. No days off, no mistakes, no excuses. You know what really happens at the end of that? Epic failure every time. Being called and being challenged to be a follower of Christ says every single day, all the time, you will be a follower of Christ. You will be a disciple. You will suffer with me. You will suffer for my cause. That is the mission. Are you going to sign up for it? And at the end of the day, they all will fail. When I shared my sea story here for you this morning, the one that got away, the fish hook, I'm reminded of another sea story. This is in my office. This is a, a piece of music called Will There Be Any Stars in My Crown? This is uh, January 23rd, 1937. It was written by a man named John Will. Ever heard of him? If you're watching from home and you don't know, Jack Will was a pastor here at Randall Church for 60 years. He just passed away at 100 years old. This is a piece of music he wrote. He wrote many, many pieces of music. If he were here this morning and I shared my story about the one that got away, about trying to pull the shark over the side, he would just roll his eyes at that silly young man on the stage because he was really a legendary sailor, legendary seaman. He had spent time on open water, time on the sea. And the reason why I show you this piece of music is there, this one isn't one of them. There are many pieces of music that at the bottom it says, composed on the Pacific Rim. No piano, no instrument, no nothing. Just writing, 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 song after song, music after music, all out in the open water. My silly little story about a shark is a waste of time to him. But one of the other things about Pastor Will that you may find surprising is when I said at the beginning of the message that I would call myself a Christ follower or a Jesus follower, he really disliked that statement. I don't know if you know that about him. He, he really disliked that statement. He did not want us calling ourselves, I'm a follower of Jesus or a follower of Christ. And here was his argument. Here was the reason why he didn't like that. He says, because in our culture, in our day, when we say we're a follower of something. Now, I, I don't think Jack Will had a Facebook page. There's just something that tells me I'm not sure that he had one, right? At 100 years old, I don't think that was a priority. But when we say, hey, follow me before we get off of this, uh, this voice call today, right? He said, follow me. I want to just get all my friends together. He said, that is not what we're talking about when Jesus says, come follow me. Said the, the problem with that, I don't think that Pastor Will liked the, the poem foot, Footprints in the Sand, the idea of I'll just follow after Christ. Why? Because we will never be able to stay in close proximity with the Holy God in our own strength. It says nothing to do with you. So this idea that you could run closer after God one day and farther away from after him another day is just a total misunderstanding of who God is. See, we are called to follow after Christ, but we are told to abide in him because of who Christ is, not who you are or who I am. So he disliked that term. He didn't, he didn't like that to be the way that we communicate each other because he says there's a misunderstanding of what a disciple is. Because a disciple is to deny yourself. 
And it goes against everything that we hear in culture, everything they heard even 2,000 years ago. But think about it today. What are the things that we tell each other? What are the things that we say to another? We say this. We say, protect yourself. Preserve yourself. Promote yourself. Entertain yourself. Support yourself. Comfort yourself. Make sure that you take care of yourself. And Jesus says, slay yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. See, these disciples, these fishermen left their possessions. They left their position in society. They left the comforts of the day. They left what they knew they left their cares and their concerns of what they had always been worried about. They weren't going to be able to do that anymore. They left the security of knowing what they would do day after day. And in many ways, they even left their sins because they did turn and they repented and they came after Christ. So they left that behind as well. But all of it was focused on one man, the one man who changed the world, the one man that is the focus of our worship each and every time that we come. And yet they failed. See, we need to learn how to trade perpetuity for purpose. Because what happens? What happens? The disciples, after Jesus dies on the cross, is buried, is resurrected, what do we find them doing? They're fishing. They're fishing. Because they went back to what they had known for perpetuity, what they could do easily day after day. They said, I'm not sure what all of this means, so I'm just going to go back to what I know. And Jesus is going to challenge her and say, get away from what you know. Stop putting your trust in that. I want you to put your trust in the purpose that I have for each and every one of you. This is in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 17. It says, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he knew Jesus asked him it for the third time. Do you love me? And he looked back, I imagine, with tears in his eyes. He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. If you're familiar with this passage, the same miraculous thing has happened. They went fishing. They fished all night long. They couldn't find any fish. And the morning comes. And they look on the shore, and there's someone standing on the shore. And he says, why don't you throw the net over the other side? They throw the net over the other side. They pull the net in, and what happens? The boat is full of fish. That the, the, the nets are breaking. They can't bring in all of the fish. And they look over and say, it's him. It's the Christ. He's risen. And they go back to him. And Peter, with his head hanging, knows that he failed. He tried to follow after Christ day after day, but he knows that he failed. And he knows three times that he denied Christ, just like the rest of the, the disciples did. And so three times he says, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Then he said to him in verse 19, then follow me. He reminds him of the call, the purpose that he has for his life. And Peter turned. He said, what about this disciple who Jesus loved? What about him, John? He was following. He says, what about him? Verse 21, he says, when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? If I want to remain, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must what? Circle it, highlight it, mark it. Do what? Follow me. Peter, Matthew, James, John, Andrew, purpose in their life now. And see, there's something about the disciples that we need to be reminded of this morning. The disciples didn't always know what they were doing. 
Jesus said, there's, there's so many people here in the crowd. They say, we don't know how to feed them all. What are we going to do? I don't know what to do. They're running around. And, he's just, I, I, and they just go to Jesus. So they didn't always know what they were doing. They didn't always know where they were going. They said, why are we going through Samaria? Samaria is a place that we should never go. We should never walk through this city. And Jesus says, I have a plan. Just stay with me. They didn't always know what they were doing. They didn't always know where they were going. But they always knew who they were with. They didn't always know where they were doing. They didn't always know where they were going. But they always knew who they were with. This morning, if you're watching online, if you're listening in this morning, and you would not call yourself a religious person, you would not call yourself someone who has a relationship with God, it's really about who you're with. You see, I really do hope that you would leave this message loving God more that you would love people more, knowing that just like Peter and James and John, they fall away, but because of who Christ is, that they understand that their job is to deny themselves and they will follow hard after him. Love God more. Love people more. Love more people. When Jesus says, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, it changes everything. If you're here this morning, it's the first time you've heard it, great. I hope that you would understand and know who Jesus is. He says, come follow me, and I will make a way. I will make a path. If you're here this morning, and this is the 101st time that you've heard someone say this, I pray that you would understand that God will make a way. God will make a path. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to continue to follow hard after him. And those who are listening in this morning who are far from Christ, they look at our lives and they say, this Christ that you follow, why hasn't he changed your life entirely and completely? Why doesn't it look different than mine? They cannot get their heads around that. Because every follower is supposed to be a fisherman. Every disciple is supposed to be a discipleman. Every day, every time, for all of time. Dear Lord, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the way that it outlines what we as disciples are to be doing and what the church ought to be doing as well. Lord, we pray that we would just answer the call. Answer the call, Lord. We want to follow hard after you, and we know that we will fail. Even those that spent day after day after day with you, three years' worth of time every single day, they still fell. But Lord, your work of restoration allows them to continue to go, to be fishers of men. I challenge Lord, it's a challenge to each of us to be a fisher of men as well, of women, of children, Lord, to be gathering every man, woman, and child so that they could interact with you. We just bring them to you, Lord, and trust that your Holy Spirit, supernatural power can change lives. Let us leave here this morning different than we arrived. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.